There is one God existing in three persons. All are equal in their deity, in their divinity, in their divine nature that they are God, yet they are not identical. They have different roles. One God, three persons, fully equal, not the same. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and joining me in our studio is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. Hey, you've joined us on a great day. We're in the middle of a series we're calling Glorious Doctrine. Now, those two words don't seem to go together all that much, but what we're finding as we look at God's Word is as we see the truth of who God is, well, He begins to become more glorious to us in our hearts, and as our love rises to Him with our minds, well, God gets all the glory. Today's message is, as you said before, Robbie, a doozy. It's on the Trinity, the character and the person of God. How great is that? That's right. It is a doozy because it has challenged the best of minds, obviously, for centuries and centuries. And the Trinity, in some ways, it will always remain a mystery as long as we're here on this earth. But the Word of God tells us so much to help us understand with greater detail and with love for our God and our one God who exists in three persons. So, uh, this is such a big deal. We're going to divide this message up into three episodes here. And so we encourage you to tune in for each one as we seek to grow and to know our God more, that we might love our God more. And the Trinity is such an amazing place to be as we wrestle these beautiful truths down that result in our lives being changed, our minds being challenged, but our affections being stirred. So may that happen in our listeners today. We love you, we really do, and encouraging you with the truth of God here now. All right, friends, let's get right to it. The truth of God's word and what it says about the nature of our God and the Trinity. Let's go again to our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons, with today's message. Warm welcome to all of you who are here right now. I'm excited to be with you. I'm thankful to be with you. I count this a massive, massive honor and privilege uh, to do what I get to do um, with you all right now. All right, so um, the passion of our series is this. I say this every week because it's too important. Um, we are seeking to know God more that we might love God more. Yes, knowledge is leading to love. That's, that's the point. That's the, um, in the light of the doctrine we're studying today that also is being reinforced again. You can look at it this way too. The more you get to know someone, especially someone that you admire in virtue or character, the more you rub shoulders with that person, what happens is your esteem for them increases. This happened to me this week. You meet people, you're like, wow, that person really is, is authentic and sincere. And your value in them, the sincerity they show your appreciation towards them, really your love for them increases as you get to know them more. Now we feel that way with imperfect human beings. So imagine then the more you get to know a perfect God, when you get to know him more and more, which is what we're going to do today again, your esteem, your value, your appreciation, most importantly, your love grows for your God. And this is the doctrine that we find today. What is the doctrine? It's the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity. Now, 
um, right from the start, the Trinity cannot be fully understood. Just as God is incomprehensible, at the core of the Trinity, it's a mystery. And we're gonna see that as we go along. There are certain aspects, you're like, well, I think I get that. But then all of a sudden you get point one, point two, and you try to combine those things and this is where your mind starts to hurt and you get headaches and you get exhausted as the, as the intellectual capacities of our finite beings are done. And we can't fully relate to how it could be one God and three persons. But listen, that's a great thing. And I would be excited about that, turn that into awe and to worship and just seeing the greatness um, of your God. So today our goal is this. Our goal is knowing that the Trinity is a mystery and cannot be fully reconciled in our minds, yet understanding can be gained as to what the Bible teaches us regarding um, the doctrine of the Trinity. So that's our goal. Mystery, but we're going for a greater understanding. So um, are you ready? Well, if you think you're ready, you're actually not. Because again, you're trying to understand something that can't be fully understood. But, 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 we're going to see what God's work can do for us today. And so let's start here. I want to jump right in right away. Point number one is this. When it comes to the doctrine of the Trinity, um, I must seek to understand the Trinity as best I can as the Word of God through four affirmations. I must seek to understand the Trinity uh, through four biblical affirmations. I'm going to front load this because this is the essential and fundamental truth regarding the doctrine of the Trinity. Here are the four essential, there could be three. What I've done is take the third one and put them into two and three and four. We have four essential affirmations regarding the doctrine of the Trinity. I'm gonna read them for us and we're gonna go through these one by one. So if there's an aspect that I want you to remember as regards to this message and the Trinity and we'll attach scripture to each one, this is it. If you could recite in your own way the four affirmations of the Trinity as it is taught in the Bible, you will be ahead of a lot of people. So here are the four affirmations. There is one and only one true and living God. There is one God, and this one God eternally, that's so key, this one God, second affirmation, eternally exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is one God eternally existing in three persons. Affirmation statement number three. These three persons are completely equal in divine nature. What that means is, and some of you may not know this, what the Bible so clearly teaches, one God in three persons, these three persons are all fully God. God the Father is God. God the Son, Jesus Christ, is fully God. And God the Holy Spirit is not just some spirit floating around and some ghost giving some uh, good instruction. The Holy Spirit is fully God himself. To understand the doctrine of the Trinity biblically, one God, three persons, all are fully God. All are fully equal. It's not this subordination where one is less than the other in value or attributes. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all fully in their attributes. God himself. Three persons making up one God. The fourth affirmation is this. While each person is fully and completely God. Here's what's so beautiful as we'll see today. Uh, the persons are not identical. One God, three persons, fully equal, yet not 
the same. So here's how we summarize this in a simpler form. There is one God existing in three persons. All are equal in their deity, in their divinity, in their divine nature that they are God, yet they are not identical. They have different roles. One God, three persons, fully equal, not the same. For those of you who are more visually inclined, we'll call this the Trinity Triangle. Okay? And this is, there's, there's no perfect illustration, as we'll learn today, to describe the mystery of the Trinity. Yet this helps us in some regard to see there is one God. And this God is Father. This God is Son. Uh, this God is the Holy Spirit. One God existing eternally in three persons. But notice, the Father is not the Son. And the Son is not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father. Three persons, their own person, yet they make up this one God. Your brain hurt yet? It should on some level. I mean, to say I get this means you don't really get what you don't get, all right? But but we're seeing this as helpful as we seek to understand what the Bible teaches. So what I want to do now is I want to go through each affirmation together and get a better understanding of them as we go. And also we will stretch our minds in the process. So here's the first affirmation. There is one and only one true and living God. Um, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter six, please. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Remember, um, here's a good principle. If you want to learn, you've got to turn. All right? If you want to learn, you've got to turn. That's a good principle for right now. That's a good principle for uh, early in the morning. Uh, that's a good principle for the rest of your life. You cannot know God uh, truly unless you're in the Word of God. And the reason we turn is to learn. The reason we learn is to love. But it all starts with turning, loved ones. It all starts with bringing a Bible to church. It all starts with having hunger for the Lord. If you want to learn, you got to turn. And we're turning again, not for information, but for transformation in love and God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, the fifth book of the Bible. This is Moses and um, his uh, farewell speech. This is really one extended sermon he is giving to the people of Israel as they're about to be prepared to go into the promised land without him. He says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, one of the most familiar verses in the Old Testament. He says, and, and this is called um, the Shema. And the reason this is called the Shema is because it's taken from the opening verb in the Hebrew, which means to hear or to listen. Moses says, hey, Israel, listen up. Hey, Israel, you got to hear this, man. Hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God, listen up Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Right here, Deuteronomy 6, 4, this is fundamental biblical theology. This is what is called monotheism. Monotheism is the belief that there is one God and only one God. The Bible right here in Deuteronomy 6 with Jesus quotes, he quotes the Shema in the Gospels, affirming its truth, of course. Paul asserts in several occasions the oneness of God. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy, there is one God. And right here we see the Bible then outrightly rejecting polytheism. And polytheism is the belief that there are many gods. We serve one God. There is only one true and living God. Therefore, monotheism in our belief in our Christian faith. The Bible affirms the deity, deity again, divine nature, 
The Bible affirms the deity of the Father. The Bible affirms the deity of the Son. The Bible affirms the deity, the divine nature of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible emphatically and without apology also holds to the fact that there is one true and living God. Now, there are false teachings against this. One of them is called, we'll deal with this in a bit, it's called tritheism. And what tritheism does with the Trinity, it says there isn't one God, there's actually three gods. So they make God the Father a separate God, God the Son a separate God, and God the Spirit totally separate gods, three, and there's no unity between them. We'll explain in a few minutes why that is such a tragedy. But any hint of false teaching must be attacked with what Scripture actually teaches. Notice this verse, Isaiah 45, verse 5. Notice what, this is what God says. God says, I am the Lord and there is no other. It's not multiple gods. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no gods. It's clear. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. He says it again. Uh, and there's multiple verses that say this. And I am the Lord, and there is no other. This is a very, very powerful statement where, where God is, is leaving no room to suggest that he is one God among three that are to be worshipped. If you try to uh, institute or, or place in here a, a form of tritheism that there are multiple gods, that would be absurd as it relates to Isaiah chapter 45, verses 5 and 6. There is one and only one true and living God. And I want you to notice this, the implications of one true and living God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, then look at verse 5. And verse 5, notice what follows. Uh, Moses says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And notice here now, here's the application. You shall then love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. Notice, so perfect for our series. The knowledge of God leading to the love of God. It's right there. It's right there. And notice this too, loved ones. There's only one true and living God, the only one worthy of our worship, the only one worthy of our adoration and affection. Therefore, in light of the truth that there is one true and living God, the only one who can bring life, why then? And think of how sickening idolatry begins to look. Consider then how evil the idolatry of our hearts when we begin to worship a piece of paper with a number on it, put there by man to ascribe some value that has no happiness whatsoever, or the trinkets of this earth, or the idolatry we place in ourselves or in other sinful human beings as it relates in comparison to the one true, perfect, omniscient, holy, and awesome God. This is why there's only one God who deserves our affection that is perfect. And again, in this light, the more you see the Shema, the more you see Deuteronomy 6, 4, the more you live Deuteronomy 6, 5. If you fail to see verse 4, you will not really get verse 5. But when you see God in his glory and how he deserves to be viewed, that produces in each of us a love, a desire, an adoration, and the perspective to see how dumb our world is and how stupid its idols are in comparison to the glory and the awesome nature of our God.
Affirmation number one, there's only one true and living God. Affirmation number two, um, this one God eternally exists in three persons. One God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I, I really like this part. This is very, very exciting uh, to me because here's what happens. The more you understand the progressive revelation of the nature of God in scripture. When you read your Bible and you take it seriously and you observe what's being said as to the nature of God, more and more you begin to see there is one God, but this one God has eternally existed within three persons. In fact, from the second verse in the Bible, we start to see the Bible hinting at the plurality that is found within the Trinity or the Godhead. Turn to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, verse one. Of course, the very first book in the Bible. Genesis one, verse one. Listen to that sound. That is so beautiful, isn't it? Page is turning. I love it. I'm very thankful for that. And I don't take that for granted. Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? Amen. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Notice this, notice this. And the spirit of God, okay, right away. And the spirit of God, distinct from God the Father, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of of the waters. From the second verse in the Bible, really the first and second verse in the Bible, we start seeing a hint here of the plurality that is found within one God being three persons. Uh, turn over to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 now. Genesis 1, same chapter, verse 26. This is a verse we should all know. We've heard it quoted many times. Notice here, notice the obvious use of the plural pronouns. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us... Now, I hope you're like me and you like to underline stuff in your Bible, make notes. It's so encouraging when you have written something down. It's okay to write in your Bible, right? You guys understand that, right? Right, okay. Um, and um, it's so encouraging to go back and to have like a mark and, 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 and some writing here to say, oh yeah, right, and encourages you. I've been here, I've learned something. God is growing me. So I, I really implore you to do that, exhort you. You don't have to, but I find it very helpful. Anyways, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Who's God talking to? This is the Trinity interacting together. This is the Bible hinting to us that there is one God in three persons. Look at Genesis 3, verse 22. Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. One more example in Genesis. Verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Genesis 3, 22, Behold, uh, the man has become like one of us like one of us in knowing good and evil. Right from the beginning, we're seeing the community of the Trinity within its unity and diversity. It's beautiful, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. The unity of the Trinity, and yet there's diversity as well. Um, Isaiah chapter six, verse eight. Um, this is in the vision of Isaiah in the temple. And here's what God says. Whom shall I send? Notice singular and plural being used here. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Again, Here's what the Old Testament is doing. Um, um, Psalm 110, verse one. David says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. 
Now, I love this verse. Jesus quotes this verse in the Gospels to confound the Pharisees. Jesus is saying that David knew, David was aware that there was a plurality within the Trinity. There's a plurality within God himself. And from a New Testament perspective, what David was really saying is God the Father says to God the Son, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. God the Father speaking to God the Son. Again, it's very clear. And Jesus himself uses this to point out his arguments against those who would try to reject him. Now, there are more Old Testament examples I can give, but here's what I want to do right now. What the Old Testament's giving a glimpse of, the New Testament paints in a full, beautiful picture regarding the doctrine of the Trinity, of one God existing in three persons. And probably the best uh, passage we could point to regarding this one God in three persons is found in the baptism of Jesus, which is in Matthew chapter... Three, I like the effort though, good try. All right, Matthew, Matthew chapter three, all right? And let's turn there together. You gotta turn, you gotta turn. Matthew chapter three, a great place to make more notes at. Underline in your Bible, Matthew chapter three. Now, now remember, one God eternally existing in three persons. As we read this together, notice the obvious, notice the beauty, notice the doctrine, and hopefully you could open up this text and show someone what is obvious here. So Jesus comes from Galilee to Jordan, be baptized by John. John's like, why should I be baptized you? Jesus says to fill all righteousness. Then verse 16, okay? Okay, get your Trinity hats on here or thinking on. And when Jesus was baptized, John 3, John, Matthew 3, 16, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is such a beautiful moment, right? It's like, here you have God the Son being anointed. Here you have God the Spirit descending and God the Father, he can't be left out. So God the Father pipes in and says, this is my beloved Son, which has to be God the Father, of course, then, with whom I am well pleased. So, in light of our doctrine today, isn't that exciting? You need to say yes, like you really do, all right? Because if we're theologians who love our God, if you're seeing this for the first time or maybe in a long time, you're like, wow, that is, that is amazing. One God, but existing in three persons right here, all functioning together in unity and diversity. Notice here too, so again, the son being anointed, the spirit ascending, the father declaring. Notice how this also confirms our fourth affirmation as well. I just wanna make sure we point this out. All persons of the Trinity are here, yet all are performing different roles. All are fully and completely God, yet they are not the same. All persons are God, they are equal, affirmation number three, but they are not all identical, affirmation number four. Notice here too, this is the astounding beauty of God's design, which will flush out more. The unity found in the Trinity, but the distinction found in the Trinity as well. The example that God in his essence sets before us, perfect equality yet within diversity. Just think about that. 
unity, within diversity. The very word Trinity means tri-unity. Unity, oneness among three uh, different uh, persons yet equaling one God. We see equality yet distinction. We've seen unity, which is a powerful, again, beautiful picture. Matthew chapter three is a passage you must know that you can open up and say one God, but here are the three persons found within the Trinity. Really in front of anyone there could see that, how awesome that must be. Here are some more New Testament examples. Second Corinthians 13 Um, The grace of the Lord Jesus, see the Trinity in these verses. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. See that right there? There's the Trinity right there, the grace of Jesus Christ, God the Son, the love of God, God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit be with you all. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, see the Trinity in these verses. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, God the Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord, Jesus Christ. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God, God the Father, who empowers them all in everyone. Think that's there by chance? Ah, no. Uh, That is there, and what Paul is doing is being led by the Holy Spirit and the errancy of inspirational scripture to show us the beauty of the Trinity working within the body of Christ. And then finally, I could do more, but here's Matthew 28. Here's the Great Commission. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Now, just a little baptism plug. Um, Do you know Jesus Christ? You know you've been saved, and you have not yet been baptized. You are living in disobedience to this command. But you can fix that in a hurry by deciding that I'm going to stand up. I'm going to declare to the Lord and declare to our listening that he has saved my life. He has given me literally life over death. I got to tell someone about that. And I'm going to do it the way Jesus said by being baptized. And notice how people are baptized, baptizing them in the Trinity, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, so, so that's not there by accident as well. That's the beauty of the Trinity found, again, within diversity in the community of the church. It's incredible. What a beautiful doctrine. One God eternally existing in three persons. Is your head hurting yet? Good, good. That's that's goal accomplished then. All right, what I want to do now is I want to combine affirmation three and four together. I'll say it this way. Um, These persons are fully equal, but they're not identical. So one God, three persons, they are all equal. They are all God, but they are not identical. Here's a great summary of the distinction of the roles within the Trinity. What we're doing now is we're saying one God, three persons, and now we want to do, but let's notice how they are not the same, yet they are all fully God. Here's a great sentence, a quick, uh, small sentence in summary. I'd write this down if I were you for future learning. The Father plans, the Son executes, and the Spirit applies. I'll say that again. So the roles are, Within the Trinity, the Father plans or sends, the Son executes that plan, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, applies that plan. I just want you to think about that. I want you to meditate on that truth a little bit, and I will flush this out for us. So think about it this way. All three persons in the Trinity have existed eternally. 
The Son of God was not created. The Holy Spirit was not created by the Father. They are one God. Therefore, they have always eternally existed. Uh, John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word. Hey, Living the Light listeners. Listen, you've heard of Black Friday. You probably heard of Cyber Monday. But have you heard of Giving Tuesday? That's the time again for people who are fired up about ministries like Live in the Light to give on Tuesday, November 29th to again ministries like ours to see the gospel continue to go forward and lives to be changed through the revelation of God's truth. Did you know that we are kept on the air on this station 100% by generous donors like yourselves? It's so true. We are dependent on you and the support and prayer again of our listeners to continue to see these messages go out and we pray reach so many people again for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this year we're excited to say we had a special donor step up and they are willing again to match gifts up to $25,000. They're going to match again all donations up to that amount towards living the light in this giving season. So hey, maybe right now you, you would consider being used of the Lord to uh, see how you can be used to give generously, to live in the light that will continue to reach people. Again, a donor is going to match up to $25,000. We're so thankful for that donor and thankful for you for considering being used in this way at this time to see light shine in the darkness and to see those again without hope to find the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Bless you all for prayerfully considering such things. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light.